1: Hi and welcome to the SIN seventy one podcast. I am your host Tom Hussey, and here with me is Catherine Paquette and Mia Eriksson. Very good, very good. Uh, yeah. I was—we talked about it just about how I was going to try and pronounce it in Swedish, and I don't think I did a great job. But Mia's is still here for the moment. Uh, how are you both doing, uh, Catherine? We'll start with you because you are in the past at the moment in canada somewhere
2: well i'm in the present because being in the i mean that'd be a really cool super hero power but uh i am in canada i'm in quebec about okay. two hours outside montreal in the country
1: and you've been we rescued you from pulling potatoes
2: yeah, yeah basically um i'm at my grandfather's house and he had a bit of garden work to do um which is not my strong suit i'll do it but um yeah, basically, I got a text inviting me and I was like, great. This is a fantastic excuse to leave the garden.
1: <laughs> well, thank you very Luckily, much. Luckily, though,
2: me. this is a podcast, not a video, because I'm, I'm quite, I'm a bit sunburned. Yeah, I, I would not be in a good video form at
1: the moment. Absolutely covered in potatoes right now.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And Mia, we rescued you from a call with Link Shopping.
0: Yeah, actually, not even a call. I was in a physical meeting for the first first time in in months, uh, so we've been meeting uh, at uh, Limshoppings uh, FC uh, office. Actually,
1: very nice. How yeah. was it? How was it being back in, literally, in women's football with a team?
0: No, yeah, it was uh, a bit weird, sort of, to know, to meet people, <laughs> actual people in a room. But um, yeah, it was great. It feels um, good to be able to uh, have real, in real life contact again.
1: Yeah, amazing. That's, yeah, I've been to a couple of the um, games over here, um, and that was like the Arsenal game last week at the Emirates and definitely went another as
0: well
1: yeah that was a great game to go to um I'll, i will talk about that a little bit later um if you're both still awake um but something that we wanted to start with was visibility and about how to watch all of these different leagues in all of these different countries now uh i might have shared my sky go well now tv account with mia so she can watch some of the <laughs> english language WSL games um Catherine how are you able to watch the WSL or other European leagues in Canada
2: um so it's a bit of an annoyance uh I think Canada is a perfect example of a place that if you're a fan of women's football you really have to be a fan because tracking down all the streaming links all the calendars of where they are um that has to be done by you it's not like there's really just one broadcaster that shows WSL games, and even they don't really announce that they're when they're going to be on. You 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 really have to go out and find those schedules. So, um, since last year, I believe it's Sportsnet, um, has two to sometimes three WSL games on their channel. Now this is a, a private um, like you have to add it onto your cable package, I guess, kind of like Sky would. Yeah. Um, so you have to add that on i you know it, it's it's debatable whether this is a good thing or a bad thing because if all you want to see is the wsl that's quite an, an addition for not even all the games just sometimes as little as one game a week um and then the rest is on the fa player which i quite like because they're they're pretty good um, at putting games afterwards that you can see. Sometimes they'll even put games on the FA player that are available in Canada that were also available on television. So they'll be blocked during the the period. It's originally airing, but you can see it later. Um, other leagues, it's quite frustrating. The league that we have the most players in, because for those of you who don't know, Canada is uh, the only nation in the top 25 in the world that has no professional league or domestic league of any kind. We have... These like mini provincial competitions that start in May and end by the end of July, beginning of August um, in three of the biggest provinces. But apart from that, there's nothing else here. So women have no choice but to leave the country generally when they're about 18, if they want to continue playing soccer, because there's nothing here. Um, And at the moment, we have the most girls in France. And funny enough, La Division 1 is the only league that we don't have access to. So, <laughs> I mean, there are nefarious uh, ways of getting it around it, which I obviously don't use. But Nefarious?
1: It,
2: you can if well, you use a VPN, for
1: example. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> this, you made it sound like a lot more dangerous than... Well, than just like downloading a VPN. It was like meeting someone in an alley and like swords. Yeah. yeah I'm,
2: I'm all about the VHS tapes in the alleyway these days. Um No, you, you like, basically you have to find ways around the fact that there's, there's no way to see it here. And um, it's quite disappointing, especially considering like we won a gold medal a couple, like a month and a bit ago, and there's still no talk of uh, an, any type of national league or an NWSL club coming. There were rumors originally, but nothing's come out. And then, if you want to see the like, if you want to see Steph Labey, if you want to see Kadisha Buchanan, you you kind of have to get around, you know, broadcasting restrictions. Which is um, again, if you're a fan, I know I, I'm in a tiny group of, of people who are who are fans of the, the women's teams, and they find ways around it. But you're not going to grow the game, you're not going to grow the visibility of these players in Canada if. People can't, normal people can't watch them. And I would say that also goes for the FAWSL. like the, the mixture of this um, and the NWSL for that matter, like the mixture of these broadcasting platforms, you really have to be a fan to go, okay, well, where can I watch it this week? If you're not normal people who may be fair weather, they're not going to follow that. Um, Like the NWSL, one of the really annoying things is we actually subsidize that league. I think we have 12 players at the moment that Whose salaries are paid by the Canadian Soccer Association, and the NWSL has a contract with CBS this year, so they have all the games in the U.S. on Paramount Plus. In Canada, we can watch it via Twitch, but if CBS decides to put it on one of their television platforms, so CBS Extra or or I think um, the and or CBS Sports, those are channels we can't actually get in Canada. But because it's CBS, we're actually blocked out of watching them by Twitch. So, again, there there are ways of getting around that. But if if you're not a really big fan, you're not going to go through and follow through with actually trying to get it. So, I call it I call it frustrating. Like. As somebody who, who writes about women's football and who's a huge fan, like it, it's a lot of work sometimes just to be able to see players play. And um, we've come a long way. Now we can actually see the games, whereas a couple of years ago, it was quite difficult for most leagues. But still, I don't think we've come far enough when it comes to access. And, and it is frustrating. As a Canadian, it's very frustrating, this kind of smorgasbord. I don't even, is that a Swedish word, Mia?
0: Yeah, but we say smörgåsbord. It's a smorgasbord of of of
2: like where you get stuff.
1: It sounds a lot nicer as a Swedish word. I'm going to say that straight off.
2: Yeah, especially nicer than French where we say smorgasbord.
1: Yeah. That's no,
2: fine. Anyway, so that's kind of the 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 in Canada like what we have access. Sometimes it's nice you can get a game on television, but again, if you're not a huge you, if you're not a fan tracking that's going to be difficult because it's not like it's being pushed out to you, which to be fair to Canada is not just the problem we have here. Like it can be difficult sometimes just to know where, you, even in the FAWL, a lot of their pregame, like just knowing, can I watch the game? Where is it being played? Like teams don't necessarily always push this out. And I think that's still one of the major limitations we have with women's soccer. It's a uh, women's football is that, where do you watch it and when is not always obvious if you're not a fan of the game who actively tracks the stuff.
1: Yeah, um, with regards to that very quickly, um, it's one of the, it's the biggest growing sport for girls, teenage girls, even adult women now in the UK. Is it the same in Canada? Is there, is there, a, is there a growth because of, not just because of the Olympics, but is it, has is it, it been a notable growth over the years anyway?
2: Canada has been the second biggest um, nation when it comes to girls playing the game for 40 years. Now the only one being the U S for the obvious reason that they have more than 10 times our population, or they have a little less than 10 times our population. Um, Obviously it's a limiting limited sport because most of our country is covered in snow for about five to seven months of the year. And and those fields are, if they're not artificial um, aren't usable, but it's still like, when I grew up, everybody played soccer. And, and just to give you... I'm going to age myself, but I'm 37. You know, It was completely normal as a girl to go to play soccer and to play. There's everything from rec to competition, um, which is one of the reasons that, you know, like I said, there's nowhere to play in Canada, but we have a gold medal winning team. It's because we produce so many players who, in a lot of circumstances, go to the States and get scholarships because there are American scouts up here and then are able to now go on and play professional in other countries it's because of the amount but um we have a really big missing link which is you know it's the only like i said only nation in the top 25 when uh, nations ranked at the moment where when you get to the age of 18 you're out of options you might be able to play at the university level here but it's a short season and it's really not as professional or as uh, like in some circumstances, it might not be as demanding as if you went to an American college or as competitive. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's this really weird uh, like thing where it, most played sport for, for women in Canada, no options for women to play the sport after the age of 18 if they, re- they truly want it to be um, their profession for a part of their life. To be fair to soccer, though, not the only sport without a professional league. We have one semi-professional hockey team and that's it. There's really like Canada leads the way in many places when it comes to gender equality. But when it comes to sports, we are in the Stone Age. There's no avenues for girls to play professional sports of any kind here. You have to leave the country. Um, and that's exceed that's really, really frustrating as a woman and just as a nation, I, I, it's a bit shameful to be honest.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've got lots of family in Canada, so I've been to Winnipeg in January and that was ridiculous. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. That was not fun. Um, but that's very interesting about how I, there was, wasn't there something to do with the, uh, the white caps recently mentioned something? Sorry, sorry, Mira. I feel like we're, we're completely sorry. <laughs> missing I... Europe out on this and, and Scandinavia, but this is, Something that I just want to clear up very quickly.
2: So um, one of the reasons we don't have an NWSL team, and um, actually the, the Wellington Phoenix recently got a, a, a team in the W League, and that's a great comparison as to the restrictions when it comes to a foreign nation trying to get a team into another nation's um, uh, league. So it, in North America, it's actually quite common for many of the leagues, the, the the professional men's leagues, to have teams on both sides of the border. So baseball has a team here. Basketball, the NBA has a team here. Um, the and the NHL, like uh, nearly a third of its franchises are up – a quarter of its franchises are up here. That's completely common. Even in soccer, the MLS has, league, has teams up here. But um, – Especially when it comes to soccer, there are huge restrictions on having a Canadian team. And one of the biggest ones is that the MLS and the NWSL tried to do the same thing, um, will demand that American players are considered local in Canada, but will try to restrict the amount of, player, of Canadian players that can be considered local in Canada. The W League did the same thing, which is one of the reasons that the Wellington Phoenix took so long to join. But even if you look right now, out of 18 players in that will play in New Zealand, only 11 of them are allowed to be Kiwi. The rest have to be Australian or have to be on foreign visas. So when the Whitecaps tried to join, they didn't want this. Their argument was, we have one of the best... Uh, like academies in the world you know this is an academy that produced Jordan Hidema who went to PSHA at age 18 you know we want our locally produced talent to be local and we don't want any restrictions on that which I would argue as a Canadian is completely a completely valid argument the NWSL's argument was we don't want that because we don't want a like mini team Canada playing up in Vancouver so what ended up happening is the Whitecaps said, no, we're not interested in joining if these are the restrictions that are currently put upon us. And I've heard rumors of other ownership groups in other countries, uh, in other cities, kind of not wanting to join because of that same reason of going like, it makes no sense if more than half the players have to be American. Like restricting Canadians being able to play in Canada um, is... I would argue heavily discriminatory and the MLS kind of has this problem as well. Like the MLS has, is, has to have a certain amount of homegrown players, but they are limited in how many they can have. And Americans are considered domestic players throughout every single MLS team, but they are not, but Canadians are only considered domestic players for a certain amount of homegrown spots in Canada. So That's one of the really big restrictions with professionalizing women's soccer in Canada. The other one is that if you look at a map, our country is huge. It's one of the most expensive countries to travel around. Um, It's actually cheaper sometimes to go to Europe via plane than it is to go to Vancouver. Um, So just the costs of even having an amateur team are really, really excessive. And we don't have, we just started to have a domestic league on the men's side, the Canadian Premier League. It's three years old. It nearly folded last year because of COVID. So, and it, it itself is in really, it's kind of supported by its investors at the moment. It's not turning a profit. So adding women's teams to that, it, it's not a league that's in a financial position to do that. And arguably Canada's not in a, like Canada soccer is not in a financial position to do that. They're already being called out at the moment for the rapid growth in fees that amateur players have to play, have to pay. Like when I played 10 years ago for a summer season of 15 games, it cost me about 150 bucks. So 10 bucks a game. Last time I went, it had grown for amateur. I'm talking like I was in, in my particular part of Montreal. I was playing like division six. So like really low down the, 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 the totem pole, like just literally a group of friends and I wanted to create a team. And we went to go sign up and the fees had grown so much that it was almost $400 a player for 15 games like that is in euros that's I think 280 300 euros like that's is that's incredibly excessive for a game played on public property where you know you have a ball and you're kicking it like it, it you know hockey in some circumstances is getting to be cheaper if you're playing in an outside rink than soccer so a lot of limitations sorry I feel like I'm talking a lot about Canada but <laughs> it, it's For me, what's really frustrating is we can't seem to get over these barriers of entry for women's sports, but the people that are missing out are women. You know, it's young girls who really have, like I I, I pointed out earlier, like if you're not looking for games, if you don't know where to find them, young girls might not see girls play on television because the only channels that have it at the moment, you have to pay excessive fees for. And then there's nothing to to see them here, even international breaks coming up. One of the only countries not playing is Canada. We won the gold medal a month ago. Like, how you know they they we hosted the World Cup in 2015. They've played I think 10 or 11 times in our country since then. Like, it's they're, they're huge bari- like barriers to entry. And so, girls who want to pursue this have to leave the country. They have to go abroad, and you know to go abroad and to be on a foreign visa, you have to be better than most of the girls in your team. If not, you're not going to be kept. Also, there's a little thing of in a lot of circumstances, if you're on a foreign visa, you can only work in soccer as a, as a football player. That's all you can do. So financially, imagine how these girls are getting hit. It's not like in a lot of circumstances, they may not have the, the visa like flexibility to go and get a second side hustle if what they make isn't enough. Um, and yeah, what frustrates me is in Canada, we spend a lot building stadiums. We spend a lot on stadium security, on stadium maintenance. We also spend a lot kind of in in these tax breaks to support these big men's professional leagues. And, and we're not the only country. Nearly every single sports league in the world is created and upheld by these these kind of smorgasbord. Sorry, smorgasbord. Was I even close?
1: <laughs> of like
2: like partly government funded or government aided um, incentives and women don't get any of that. So I I think we're starting to get to the end of that time limit where it is acceptable to keep this structure in place only for men. Anyway, that's the end of my little speech because I realized I've talked for most of this podcast and I'm very sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is it's very interesting, though. I think anyone that is listening that hasn't fallen asleep uh, <laughs> slightly, and I mean sorry. that in a nice way. I'm sorry, no, it's genuinely interesting. Um, especially, as I said, I've got family over there, so it's interesting to see how what I love is kind of just not even being able to be viewed by half of them. I don't even know how many like watched Olympics, things like this. Anyway. um,
2: That's the thing is there's clearly a demand. The Olympics were viewed by 4.4 million people, the gold medal game. It's the biggest viewership they had for anything at the Olympics. Um, To put that in comparison, you know, the, the U S women, when they won the world cup, I think 45 million people watched it. So if you make the comparison, the gold medal game was watched by as many people proportionally in Canada as the last world cup was in the United States when they won the world cup. Like there is clearly a demand for this. It's just, there is no concerted effort or no, really no entity trying to ease access to the game and increase access to the game professionally in Canada. And that's frustrating.
1: I'll stop now. Uh, I would say, Mia, um, with regards to Sweden and, and you know, in the Nord- other Nordic countries, um, is the Swedish league probably the biggest of the of those closest to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, in scan the biggest. I mean, I I think I mean it's interesting for me to hear uh, the situation in other parts of the world because I've been trying to figure this out uh, the last couple of months. Because I think I'm, I'm very lucky. Because, I mean, we are play uh, in an end group in, in Scandinavia, Finland, and I think Poland, Estonia, Lithuania, um, and probably more countries than I can list. But um, uh, they have the broadcasting rights for many leagues. Uh, so sure, I can't watch all games, but uh, but I mean, you, I I know we like to have uh, like ten screens running at the same times, time, but I know it's impossible. So so I feel kind of lucky to to be able to watch you know, um, women's football from Italy, Spain, France, uh, Germany. Uh, and and the WSL, of course. Um, so, but then then we have the Swedish league, who is uh, who is um, broadcasted by by Sportbladet, uh, and and it's it's a magazine uh, in Sweden, tab tabloid. Do you say yeah. that tabloid? Yeah. Um, uh, and I mean, it was great. News for the league when, when Spot that uh, bought the rights for it. But then, you know, the problems sort of showed up <laughs> during the way because first they said it, it wasn't going to be geo blocked. Uh, and then people from abroad bought uh, subscriptions for it. But then when it started, it was geo blocked. <laughs> so then the people. <laughs> that had bought the, bought the subscriptions. I had to have uh, VPNs to watch it. And then you had Fanseat coming over to, you know, um, I mean, they probably have bought the rights to to watch to show the Swedish League uh, in the rest of the world. But I think it was Mexico that bought uh, the rights for the Swedish League first uh, from outside Sweden. Uh, and, and I, I, I remember I heard a clip from from a comment a commentator, um, you know, doing, yeah, just it was. Um, I mean, how do you say it? It was sort of thrilling to hear to hear it in in uh, Mexican. So, I mean, I, I think we I just want to say that you know, Canada and and not having. Um, a domestic league, we have that in Sweden, but I think, like Sweden and Canada in the Olympic final, just uh, is it's it's telling the story that you, you don't have to be from a big nation to be great in football. Um,
2: I think it tells a story that if you have access to grassroots, you can go far because if you look at the four nations that made it to the gold, the, the bronze and the gold medal games, they all have one thing in common and, and that is the grassroots access. Um, you know, it, it also shouldn't be a surprise that the more egalitarian and therefore the, the more access you have just to be able to play the sport without judgment, um, the more chances in the future that you'll get players who, who can continue and, and who might want to be professional with or without um a top flight league that, that can support you.
1: I didn't even think about the uh, Olympic final situation that we've got going on here. Mia, are you okay, speaking to Catherine, is that okay? Are you, are you angry? Do you harbor any resentment to her country and the exploits? Or are we gonna be okay to continue for a little bit?
0: Yeah, we can continue for a little <laughs> bit longer,
1: I think. I
0: mean, I'm still hurt. I'm still hurting, you know. Can like, I say, people.
2: having lost, um, of like a semifinal, two Olympics in a row. I can't even imagine getting to the final two games in a row and 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 losing it. And I'm not saying that to highlight it. I mean, it's an, an incredible accomplishment from Sweden because it, it means that not only have you performed incredibly well in the Olympics, you've also performed for Europeans incredibly well in the World Cup to be able to qualify in the first place. Um, that being said, I, I'm I have no. Like Sweden played well, but I'm so happy for Canada just because, you know, for anybody who's a fan of Christine Sinclair and everything that she's been able to accomplish and how she's accomplished it, you know, for those who don't know, that's our Canadian captain, who also happens to be the all time leading goal scorer, men or women in international football. Um, To see her have put so much into Canada soccer over the last 22 years, I think she's going on, and to get um, like a final major trophy, well, trophy, a, a gold medal was. I, I think almost every Canadian who's a fan of hers was crying that day. So just for that, for that, I'm not going to apologize. We, we
0: also cried, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but not of joy. Mm. And I sort of felt like for for our captain as well that uh, it, it yeah. Was- sort of heartbreaking but um, I mean uh, I mean it's it's the beautiful part of the game and and um, uh, like uh, in a tournament you know like it's it not necessarily is it's like I, I used to say with with WSL it, it not necessarily is the most beautiful football to watch but at the end of the day it, it's it's winning um, that counts no matter how you do it.
2: I kind of wish that they could have had like a high jump situation. I don't know if you saw the two men who decided to share the gold medal on the high jump. Wouldn't it have been great if it was legal for like Carolyn Sager and Christine Sinclair to just go, you know what? How about we just both take gold? Forget about the, I mean, it was a thrilling, like penalty shootout. Let's just go both sit on top of that podium. It's a little bit annoying that that wasn't an option because I agree with you. Like if if we had lost to Sweden to see Carolyn Sager kind of get that, that gold medal would have kind of been a consolation prize, I guess. But, I don't yeah. know enough
1: about the rules, but I don't know if you just if they just both decided they didn't want to take penalties. Could they just be like, well, I guess we got to cut them in half. Everyone gets half a gold medal. Is that is that how that works? I don't know.
2: I, I think it's... My understanding is that who can share a gold medal is set by the individual sports for the Olympics. So like in the high jump, the athletics said, yeah, if they both finished equal and they agree, you, you can go forward. If you don't agree, then you have to go to." But I don't think soccer allows that or oh. football allows that, unfortunately.
1: Because I mean, I think everyone would be happy if everyone won, right?
2: Yeah, but then you could also say like if you know you can you can share a bronze medal for example, are you going to just shake hands at the beginning and say, "Let's play the most boring game in the world and finish nil nil, and then we all go home with a bronze"? I can see why they like associations, but yeah, it would have been
0: great if. Is, isn't said. that the, the the case in in like the Euros or something? You don't play. Uh, There's no third meta, third place yeah, game in the Euro exactly. So I mean. Something like that.
1: So. Well, no, like the uh, the the third place game would get silver because if the first place game gets gold, then the second place they just share silver, and then I guess maybe I guess maybe they just like don't play and just say yeah that was cool. I don't um, think it works let's like go that. See some other events.
2: I think if there's two gold medalists, then the third place is automatically a bronze. There's no uh-huh. silver.
1: Oh, okay, I mean. You know, you know more about this than I do. I'm just spitballing ideas for the Olympic Committee who aren't listening, I'm sure.
2: Well, I mean, if there's a rational organization, it's the Olympic Committee. So they'll obviously listen to us. That was sarcasm (laughs) for those who don't understand Canadian.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I would like to go back to Mia about the the growth of women's football very briefly. Um, Have you, I don't know if it's things like the Olympics and all the internationals that Uh, all international players that are playing overseas are from Sweden. Um, Is that inspiring a lot more grassroots at the moment?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, that it does. I mean, we actually talked about this uh, in the meeting I was uh, er, on earlier this uh, evening uh, because we have, uh, Linköping has um, really put uh, effort into their academy uh, so we just talked about the fact that uh, the the elite uh, team players uh, often goes out to meet young girls um, from the local teams around Linköping, and and it's it's very appreciated. Uh, and I mean, I don't know if you saw that film uh, clip of uh, Magdalena Eriksson visiting her her I mean her local club from when she she was a kid and and that was yeah it, it was sort of um, i think it, it was really i mean how do you say touching to yep. to to watch that and I, I think she really was surprised herself at least it looked like that on the video so i mean it's and i i think i i must say this because I mean, we, we have a lot of national uh, team players playing in in much better clubs uh, than the men's uh, players uh, in Sweden. I mean, we have like Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Chelsea, Wolfsburg. Uh, I mean, all the best teams in Europe and, and our national team players have... Has actually, they have been starting in the Damalsvenskan. Uh, so I think it's important now what we see happening with uh, the Scandinavian leagues. It's, it's kind of typical Scandinavians uh, to be like, oh, okay, now we're being left behind uh, and that's just the way it is. We don't know how to fix that. Uh, and then I usually say, do we have to fix that? Can, can't we just be one of the best leagues in the world to develop young talents and and market uh, ourselves like that? But but it doesn't take it, it don't it doesn't take away the fact that that most of the Swedish national team players they come from the Damallsvenskan and that's a fact it's it's just
2: a fact and the, the way it the is the fact so. you have players going to the best teams in the world shows how strong the Damos Vesca is because if it wasn't a strong league it wouldn't be recruited from you know and i can say cuz a canadian if you see a canadian heading to that league you're going yes you know she she's playing really good football and that'll be good for the national team and and hopefully in the long run it'll be good for the nation um, i mean yeah. was it
1: like was it uh, i feel like it was was it malmo in the end, it was Marta went to Malmo. Was that right? Or was it Rosengard? I can't remember. My my history on that is not great, but I just mean the draw of Scandinavia in itself for, for you know, one of the greatest players of our generation um, says a lot in itself.
2: Well, how many captains at the last World Cup had gotten their starter at some point played in Scandinavia? Yeah. You know, like... Marta, I think Kristen Sinclair played there for a while. Um, Ali Riley from, uh, from New Zealand, she played so long in, in Sweden. She's now also Swedish. Um, it's a great league. And I mean, if I'm understanding you right, Mia, like if people are speaking down about the league because players are progressing elsewhere, I don't think they understand that that's a strength of the league. Like if.
0: Yeah, I don't think they necessarily uh, talk the league down. I think it, the fact is that, that it, it's the money. It's like we, we talked about this tonight at the meeting as well, you know, about um, the fact, I don't know if you noticed and if you haven't noticed, you will notice this uh, when you watch a Swedish uh, football game after. We have uh, talked about this. Um, I mean, just look at sherping's uh, match uh, shirts with, uh, like, a hundred logotypes from sponsors over it. I mean, I got one myself. Um, I think that's sort of typical um, Scandinavian leagues at the moment. Uh, We need to have a lot of sponsors and they are smaller because this is the way it looks. Uh, I think we are bad in Sweden uh, to sell the product and the experience of women's football. And I think that's what's um, happening in England at the moment. The, they sell the experience uh, of women's football, not just the product. We talk a lot about the product of women's football. I think it's what they are successful in at the moment. It's, um, it's about selling the experience of going to a game uh, in the job, WSL. Uh, to be there, to take part of it. And I've been thinking about this so much because I can't see why a club like Linköping, for example, uh, can't do the same thing. Because we are so focused on selling those logotypes on the shirts that we miss out on the opportunity to to talk about and show uh, in our social media channels, um, mm. the experience of how it is to be in Lin uh, at Lin Shopping Arena uh, and watch a game. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it's like, yeah.
1: Okay, I mean, there must be. Oh, no. So, right, yeah, you go.
2: I think you have to be fair to the Swedish teams. Like, one of the big advantages that the FAWSL has is that the Premier League is such a big league that they can piggyback in a way off the brand of their of of their club so like going to see chelsea arsenal even if it's you know it's the women and not the men there's a certain allure that i think is already built in because there's like a hundred years of tradition of people going to see chelsea arsenal you're probably right that they do a better job of 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 pushing that match day but I wouldn't put down the Swedish league and it's jerseys because they're filled with sponsors. I see that. And I see it as a great thing. Like in the NWSL here, we've had years where major teams, and I'm talking like the Houston dash that are in a city of like 5 million people had no shirt sponsor. And you're going, how can the women's game be of such little value that they can't even find somebody to put on the front of their Jersey? You know and they have at that time they didn't have a bespoke jersey so it was just like an orange area of nothingness that that frankly looked a little bit bleak um i would much prefer see seeing sponsors all over the place because in a way that does show you know what the local business is behind this because if they weren't if if local people didn't believe in the women's game they wouldn't sponsor it um but I, yeah, I, I do think one of the real advantages of the FAWSL is it does have kind of this, almost in a way, this branding behind it that they are attached to these really big parent men's clubs. And with that comes a lot of financial stability, but also kind of almost like a... Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like an, uh, like an allure that you can't necessarily create elsewhere.
1: It definitely has something there. It definitely has an allure for the... Like you said, like the, the men's side, but then the men's it is a lot of for a lot of those teams it is just a name. They don't get as much support as I think they would like. They do a lot. You know, a lot of the, the big four do get the support. But the, the further down you go, um, like Reading and Birmingham, places like this, that, that have men's teams in lower divisions do struggle a little bit. But then they open their stadiums. So, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways in that. Um, I I think think you you do
2: have to give the FA WSL some time to adapt like it's it's in its fourth year of professionalism. Like how many years has Sweden been going of really trying to say, you know, so and there are teams that kind of jumped on the vanguard, like the professionalism, like, for those who don't know what we're talking about, the the FA changed the WSL to a fully professional league three years ago, a team like West Ham, they got their bid together in a couple like, and they, they were accepted to the top level a couple of weeks before the season started. So I think those there's a there there are the top 3 that have been in it a lot longer that understand there's a difference between men's and women's football but we have to support the women and like it, it's not going to be an organic growth you do have to push things for it to to have some semblance of equality whereas there may have been other teams that did not get that that kind of just gave the women a jersey and in some circumstances didn't support them as well. But I, I think you have to give those teams a bit of time to, like, if we're talking facilities, to actually get facilities together for women. Or, I I don't know if that's a fair thing to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's still evolving. Um, you know, despite all this money that's coming from from Sky and BBC, it's still an evolving league. Um, they, I think everyone would like to see more games. There's more teams in it, you know, like it's you've got like what twenty games to try and. Do everything you need to do, and that isn't a huge amount of time. That isn't you can't really turn around the back half of a yeah. season because you know they've played two games in the WSL and they're off on international break now. Well, the so, last
2: three seasons, you you lose one game, you probably you lose two games, you probably lost the league. Yeah, you know, Chelsea exactly losing it. that opening match for those who don't know is a huge thing because that could be the end of their their title pursuit down the line.
1: Yeah, if Arsenal don't drop any points, you know, and the way I. I was the first one to be like, I don't know if this is Arsenal's year. You know, City looks stronger. No, Arsenal said, Arsenal must have listened to that thought in my head. And we're just like, no, yeah. We're Hold gonna, my beer. Yeah, we're going to show you that, uh, yeah, we, you're wrong. And the more I see it, I can't unsee it. I'm a, I'm
0: a bit offended again because you're saying this and you have, you have a Swedish coach
1: yeah and but I mean for a second I I
0: thought you were saying that I'd
2: offended the Swedish league and I was like no that's not my intention no
1: I thought you were because I know you you follow Chelsea a little bit so I thought that you were going down that road and I was like oh no I didn't mean to do that uh I don't I
0: mean since I started this uh, football analysis course I see things in different you know perspectives and and in a different uh, light so I think Arsenal will win the league
1: yeah like I, I you know having a bit of a stronger well, having a preseason and, and the, uh, the European qualifiers, they just, they look like a lot more gelled. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't give him, it was, a, it was a group chat. That was what it was. And I was like, Arsenal have got a team in three years, city in two, this is Chelsea's year. I don't know I, if Arsenal don't, say, if Arsenal don't drop any points and I don't, I can see them beating city. I can see them beating Chelsea away again, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I think that there is, it's going to be a, again, it's it's always going to be a close league. But
2: I think one of Arsenal's strengths is that it's really a team that strengthened its core. Like, they lost very few important players in the off-season and then they just strengthened. So, they're kind of just continuing on in this new, how do we say his last name? Jonas?
0: Edeval. Oh. Edeval.
2: I'm Perfect. always yeah. terrified. Yeah. Edewald, like, in this new, and he... I think has built upon what Montemurro put in place and just kind of finally, in a way, allowed it to kind of take off. Um,
1: Montemurro, who said he was going home, and then ended up in Italy, is that like was that like a short stop from the? Like the uh, you know, that and he is looks home he looks sm- him, uh,
0: it's he sort looks, of home.
1: He looks smart as hell as well in a suit. Yeah. Now. He was he was all track suits at Arsenal, and now he's suits, and it's like, yeah, nice one, Joe. You look you're pretty sharp now
0: hand made uh, tailored uh, it's it- italian suit yeah that's nice yeah i'm enough. i'm very lucky i i felt sort of thrilled today when i saw that uh, chelsea is uh, it- are going to play you know juventus in yeah in the champions league so we could I probably
2: it- have a discussion of which group we think is the the strongest out of or the
0: toughest out of
2: the four but i think they're all tough <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the entire point of this podcast initially was to have a little bit of a rundown of some of the fixtures that happened this weekend. But we've just really opened up a whole nother can of worms for football around the world. And I'm yeah, I'm much happier with the discussion we've had Um, yet. There's some European games happening soon. Uh, Who? I mean, I will run through the groups. We should talk a little bit about some sort of actual footballing situation, I suppose. Sorry, just, I ran rather, off rather, with of the discussion. <laughs> the bureaucracy of it all. Um, so, yes, the UEFA Women's Champions League 2021-2022. The group stages look like this. Group A, Chelsea, Wolfsburg, Juventus and Servette. Uh, B, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, Breda. I haven't practiced any of these names. I'm not sure where they're from. Uh, Real Madrid. Um, WFC Kharkiv. This is oh, why did I start doing this? <laughs> yes, yeah, Ukrainian. I I don't know. I'm gonna. I haven't heard them spoken. Uh, Barcelona. Yep. Yeah, okay. Barcelona. Arsenal. Arsenal. I'm just playing that I know how to say some of these. Uh, TSG Hoffenheim. You're going to have to help me with this last one, Mia, the uh, the Danish team. HB.
0: Uh, oh, H.B. Yeah, you say.
1: H.B. Køge. there we go.
0: But she said it in Swedish, not Danish, so we could actually understand yeah, I, I can't speak Danish. Danish is like the worst Scandinavian language ever. And I, I'm going to Denmark uh, <laughs> the day after tomorrow, and I'm already scared as hell that I won't uh, be able to understand what they say. So It I'm sounds gonna... like they have a th- frog at the back of their throat. It's incredible like, yeah. the sounds that are produced in that language. But it's the same in, in the south of Sweden, uh, who also sound like they have a frog uh, in the back of their th- throat. But, uh, you know, Danish is like, I mean, it's like, it's, it's so hard to understand um, because they speak so fast and they would probably say the same about us in Sweden. Uh, So I'm going to shut up now
1: because it's, yeah. That's okay. We hopefully haven't offended too many of our assumedly Danish listeners. Um, But I assume you'd speak English there? You just speak English with all the Danish people?
0: Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to speak English and I'm not going to, because if I um, reveal that I'm Swedish, they are just going to talk really fast Danish with me and then I'm going to stand there and look really stupid. So... Uh, I mean, yeah. I I think I will stick to the Swinglish thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, to be fair
2: yeah. to Mia, uh, she didn't just insult Danish people; she also insulted Swedish people from the south of the country.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been I I actually I I have uh, lived in both the southern uh, parts of Sweden when I studied the first time, and then the second time I went the Complete opposite direction to go as high up north as you can get in Sweden. So, just just to to see both ends, or something like that. Yeah, and hear them talk uh, in in the boat ends as well. So
1: that's very that's cool. I've driven around the Scandinavia with um, some bands, which was very fun seeing seeing that whole country, what well, whole collection of countries. In about three days, that was that was tough, but it was it was beautiful. Um, anyway, moving back onto the Champions League draw. Sorry, everybody. We are this is like rants and rants and sidetracks and everything you probably didn't think you needed to know about Sweden and Canadian culture. Um, so yeah. Um, so the last group, Group D, is Bayern Munich, uh, Leon. Um, now, BK Haken Is that Mia from Sweden? BK Häcken. Yes. BK Häcken.
0: BK Häcken.
1: I'm not even going to try and do that (laughs) one more time No, I'm so sorry. Uh, And Benfica from Portugal. Um, Toughest group? What do we reckon?
0: I think it depends on what team we are talking about. Because I think all the groups uh, are tough uh, except for maybe on paper psg's group i think if you're if you're a psg fan then you w- will like that because i think they, they are playing that icelandic team breidablik uh, and yeah on paper that's the easiest group the other groups i think is i mean <laughs> it's difficult like
2: yeah, Group A and Group C are pretty tough um, because you, to be fair, you you technically have three teams in both groups who could take it. Um, although, I think Group A will be Chelsea and Wolfsburg, and Group C Barcelona, Barcelona and Arsenal. But you know, it could also be like Hoffenheim could easily play in there as well. Um,
1: uh, yeah, I've not been following much of the uh, Frauen Bundesliga. As a yet, um, they're, but...
2: they're all teams that are undefeated. Like Arsenal, I believe, have won every single game. Um, no, Arsenal have won every single game, whereas yeah. Hoffenheim have the little, their last two matches have been drawn, but they're all teams that are on a roll at the moment. Um, whether they'll still be on a roll in early October is another thing, but.
1: Yeah, I'd like, I mean, yeah, the, the PSG group does seem, Group B does seem a little, as you said, you could, you know, yeah, but It could surprise some people. Like Real Madrid didn't didn't do great. They they lost to Atletico yesterday in the derby, which uh, I am very which happy made for. you happy. Slightly happy as I yeah. was at work. Um, yeah, that was okay. Um, shout out to uh, Sky Sports for showing for showing a replay of that game after um, Man City versus Spurs yesterday, which was a surprise. I didn't watch it. I went to bed instead. Uh, yeah, um, that's a poor admission. Uh, but yeah, I'm, so I, I think yeah, Real I Madrid are
2: that. kind of replicating the men. They're going, we're going to do great in Europe, but uh, domestically, not so I, much.
1: I don't know if Real Madrid will, will. I don't I don't know the other teams really from that group. I, they didn't. They haven't looked that strong. They've lost a couple of players. Like Jakobsen went to Bayern, um, and I think they they recruited Esther from um, Levante and who used to play for Atletico and she was banging them in for Levante. But again, I, I think that will be, I I think they could stumble. I mean, this is me saying Arsenal weren't going to win the league. Uh, I, think, I think we have a very good stumble in this, in that group if they're not careful. Yeah, I, I, but I, I think
0: that, I think that, Champions League. The Champions League will be. It will be a tough tournament for for every team that that are supposed to go through to the quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because, because even... it, it's a it's a different format for the for the for, uh, yeah. And then we have had the Olympics, with some players been playing really. Uh, nice. I mean, a, a lot. Um, and then you have. I think the biggest challenge for, for any team in, in that tournament this uh, season will be what, if, if they are able to focus on uh, everything, you know, like the league, uh, the Champions League and, and cups and, and stuff. So
1: And I didn't even think about the mileage that Group B is going to have to do. Like Paris and Madrid aren't too far apart, but Iceland and Ukraine, that's, that's some travel. So that, that will factor into...
2: But I think it'll be more difficult on the Ukrainian. And, and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, arguably Group B, like, yes, Real Madrid has been faltering. But I if they and PSG don't go through, it's going to be an incredible upset. Because, you know, Real played their last game last weekend. So I don't know if they will have their international players. They've got two of them. On retention for the Champions League but if not it's a bunch of locally based players who aren't in their their season anymore and Kharkiv had arguably the easiest route to the group stage because they they qualified through the champions path but when you actually look at how they qualified like they're not dominating wins like one two against Apelon in the second uh, round and then three one um, at home like these aren't it's not like they ran through the groups in any way, so yeah. If they're able to beat two teams that are completely full time, um, that'll be a major upset. But I, it's PSG and Real Madrid's group to lose. Let's put it that way. But I, I don't see them losing and not qualifying. Like that would be. I don't know what you guys think, but that would be incredible.
1: I, I, I want to see that, but yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm not. It's not really a hot take that they. They won't do it. But I just think that maybe the the occasion and the mileage might get to them, but I could be again very wrong, very yeah. very wrong. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting competition. The way they set it out for sure. But it, I mean, I don't think they've even got a broadcaster specifically set up here for that. I don't. They know. They
2: do. Everything's going to be on DAZN, and it's oh, for that's the right. next yeah, yeah. for the next two years. It's going to be free on DAZN YouTube. Um, The first two rounds of group qualification stage weren't on there. But from now on, every single match will be broadcast, which I'm looking forward to seeing the quality of that broadcast, um, whether or not it'll live up to the other DAZN products. But yeah, for the first time, we'll actually be able to get to see them play, which is, I don't know if it's wonderful or it's shocking that it took so long.
1: I keep forgetting that that's happened. That's my my tired adult brain is just like, well, I watched it on BT Sport here, so that must be where it's going to be. No, um, it, it is. Yeah, that is good. zone uh, only sorted that out. And I do remember seeing all the announcements. I just, one thing at a time, <laughs> made me forget that that was happening. Um, but yeah, two years on YouTube. That's, you know, again, it, it's, if people have the smart TVs, they can watch it and they can you know computers and multiple screens and all of the uh, accessories but yeah it's a shame that it won't be on maybe direct um, uh, television channels um, in the UK for, for sure um, having you know free teams there but maybe that will change as and when they come on because it seems like a lot of the streaming companies are able to get onto terrestrial TV as and when
2: I doubt with the zone, like whenever the zone gets their their pause on something, they do not share it. Like we have all the Premier League here in, in on the zone, and there's nothing that ever goes. Um, everybody has a smart TV anyway now, but like there's nothing that ever goes on the mainstream anymore.
1: Okay, well, so, I, I genuinely I haven't have I've got no experience with them as of yet, so uh, we will see neither, how it goes.
0: So it yeah. will be a like a thrilling experience. I'm, I'm sure they did the
2: um it's free on on youtube still i think but they did the women's international champions cup and i was pleasantly surprised with the quality of the broadcast that they were able to put together so um which i think is 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 kind of one of the things that you want to start seeing like it is still very frustrating i think that we're in 2021 and the quality of women's soccer broadcasted is not nowhere close to the men's and There's also very little punditry punditry that's done. So hopefully they'll be able to add that dimension because one of the, I think one of the things that really does build um, follow like people, especially new people following is when they actually hear teams being spoken about being discussed about on mainstream television, instead of, you know, like, this is great that we can discuss things, but people have to actually actively search for it. So, which is also something that Sky's brought, which
1: is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, last season, there was a handful of games, the WSL games that were free on FA player that I watched on like the Atta football app or through there, watch cause they had like Kelly Smith, they had Kelly Smith like commentating and some others. And I was like, I want to hear them, not some random dude that, who seems to get Viv Miedema's name wrong. You know, why, why would I want that? Yeah. So yeah, it's good that um, there are non-traditional broadcasters, I would say, um, i mean non-traditional in a sense that they're not any of the big uk ones um for those areas i think yeah. the,
2: the importance is whomever is producing it that it be easily accessible in terms of knowing how to get it and also that it's it's respected in terms of the quality that you're putting produce like forward and mm. arguably getting names right and getting gender pronouns right should be a minimum requirement um yeah which is we're still far off from that. Like, I don't know if you heard, but about three weeks ago, um, CBS did a whole expose about Quinn. Quinn is a Canadian player. Um, They identify as um, transgender and and use the the, the gender pronouns, they and them. And they did a whole expose about Quinn being the first Olympian to win a gold medal um, as a transgendered athlete. And the entire entire expose they use the gender pronouns she and her like they couldn't even get that right (laughs) so again like it's just understanding do do you understand what i mean tom
1: yeah no but i'm just trying to figure out how like that got through the like final edit like everything that like the the, surely like the dossier sheet is just like right quinn they identify as they them that's the first things you would surely have to make sure were being honored, surely.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm the first to say that I have made mistakes with that, but uh, you make the mistake once and yeah. you, you never make it again. But if you're doing an entire expose on how this person is the first to ever get this for a transgendered person and they use they and them as a pronoun, like it's not that difficult to respect people. Um, again, like you said, how it slipped through, it, it was just shocking.
1: Yeah.
2: So, can we get back to Champions League? Because I don't know if you want to discuss this, but there is there was a bit of a controversy with the comments made by Man City um, coach about like Like we've been
0: talking. No, about the
2: about the overload of the schedule and how Man City hadn't had any. any preseason games and how, cause the way that the new format is for the champions league, if you're a champ, if you won your country's um, respective nation, you go through the champions path with the exception of the top four uh, rated countries who get direct entry into the group stage. And then if you're lower down in the league, if your country coefficient is higher, is high enough to get more than one champions league spot, you've got to go through the league path, which means you, You know, you were assured in this tournament that you were going to get really big, fully professional European clubs exiting at the second round of the Champions League group qualification stage because of this league path um, format. And I was wondering, if, I mean, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but what you thought of this new format where it's great that they've expanded the number of clubs, but is it... Like, and their their goal for doing this, for having these two paths where you could have a team like Man City eliminated really early on is was entirely so that when you get to the group qualification stage, you have at least um, 10 different nations represented. You know, this time they have 11. But is it an appropriate path considering that there are countries where the game has evolved significantly more than
0: others? I think it's... I think this uh, also needs to be put into the light that the fact that Manchester City is almost uh, everything uh, of the lionesses and team GB. I mean if oh. you look at if you look at the teams that have not have been struggling as much uh, I mean Arsenal they have uh, players from many different, uh, I mean nationalities, and and I think it could be a factor for this as well. I'm a
2: hundred percent behind you there. Like I'm, truth be told, I'm not a huge fan of Man City. I don't really enjoy watching them play that much, and I agree with people who said that the selection for Team GB this year was pretty man city heavy and excluded a lot of players who arguably could have also been in that team, but didn't play for that club. Um, in the long run, I think some of the big exclusions probably cost them progression further down because there's a lot of talent that they didn't bring in. It, it is a head scratcher when you consider some of the injured players that were selected above fully fit, fully performing players. Like, I'm the like Jess Fishlock and Jordan Nobbs, their exclusions just baffle me personally Beth
0: but, I mean as well. Beth
2: Mead as well, yeah.
0: Like and it's obviously- gonna happen it's gonna happen next year as well with the euros. So I think um, yeah, but I don't
2: think I don't think it'll be that man city heavy and I don't think it'll be that, I mean the euros they're playing underneath England because the other thing that I, you know it's supposed to be a team that represents GB. Um, northern ireland qualified for the euros for the first time in their history which is a great achievement if you for that nation and not a single northern irish player deserved inclusion after qualifying for the euros for the first time like there again it makes me scratch my head like how how is this possible like how can anyway
1: yeah I think well, I I from that I think it wasn't like Rachel Furness was the only like was like the the probably the most rated player for Northern Ireland, and I think she was injured. Um, okay. To to make to make an excuse yeah. on a team that like yeah, but I think if you'd have asked any Man City fan if the way they started the season, if they could have taken less players to the Olympics, I think they'd say yes. You look at you look at how many actually went like across the board for that team that was in the Olympics, or. Well, I was about to say Copa America, but there wasn't any South American players in that way. But they, well, they had Janine you know,
2: every... Becky who went for Canada. They... Say,
1: like, like everyone went, like Rasso and Kennedy, but they weren't there yet, but they, they were in the Olympics. You know, I think if anyone had asked uh, Amante, you know, they started so slow because of that, that I think if you'd have asked him, would you rather, you know, the idea was that it was a team that was pretty much ready to go from Hegerisa because they didn't have any time. Yeah. Um, so that was the basis behind it. But I think if they'd realized how quickly this season was going to bite them in the ass, I don't think they would have done that. I, don't, I think they would have said, actually, no, like go to some other clubs. We need, we need to make sure we have any kind of preseason.
2: It, I mean, Chelsea and Arsenal kind of had a preseason. They played uh, in the mine series, um, which like they played double heathers with the men, And in their circumstances, they had as many players away at the Olympics during that time period as Man City did. Um, I think they had 9 and 11, and and Man City had 11 that were gone, or 12. Um, And what they did is they used a lot of their youngsters. um, I don't know if you saw the the Arsenal-Chelsea game that took place at the Emirates, the first one this year, but in about the 60th minute, you had a lineup of what seemed like 10, like 16 year olds that, that literally replaced the, the remainder of the first team that was still there. And one of the shocking things, and I forget his name, the Man City coach's announcement was, Oh, we couldn't have a preseason because we don't have any youngsters in our academy that are at the level to be able to play along the first team, which I can't believe that a a coach would say that. And it also, you know, it makes you questions like, where is that in between the academy and the senior team in England that is able to kind of like develop to get to the senior team. Like if you're saying that none of your players are good enough to play alongside senior players, then that's, that doesn't, bode, I don't know. It isn't me that finds this odd, but that doesn't bode well for the future for where you rate your development squad.
1: I think there's a handful that have come through in the last few years, but then you've got uh not an aging team, but you look at like, they, you know, they've got Bardsley in gold and they had Robux. They didn't really have like, Like the um is it Benetaub, the the keeper who's in at the moment. Um, you know, she was like third choice keeper behind Bardsley, who's been injured mostly for the last two years in some way or shape or form. Yet they've got Academy players that are in that team that they could have done something. They surely could have done some sort of team to at least have a couple of games. I I don't see how they couldn't they couldn't do something, some kind of preseason, even just behind closed doors against the lowest of the low leagues teams in that area, just to have a handful of their players getting on the pitch.
2: By the way, his name is Garrett Taylor. Sorry. I had Garrett Bale in the back of my head and I knew it's (laughs) definitely not him. Um, His name is Garrett Taylor, but yeah, yeah, he might,
1: he might do it right as well. Gareth Bale could be a good, uh, a good manager of uh, Man City women. Why not?
2: I mean, does he have the time with all the golf he plays?
1: Well, exactly. I don't know. Probably not. Sorry. But yeah. No, no, it, it's, it's a, you know, you, yeah, you, you raise a very good point about how Gareth, he, he came through the academy, right? He came through up, up from an academy position and there he's not able to bring anyone else with him. I do play.
2: sometimes wonder if this Man City um, history of promoting from within um, is a good way to go. You know, because Nick Cushion was the same thing. Nick Cushion joined the academy as a volunteer coach, was given the first team. And in the first years, one could easily argue that part of the reason he was was successful with the team was the massive infusion of capital that allowed Man City to be the first team to go fully professional and to attract the likes of Tony Duggan and and whatnot from other teams because they wanted to be full-time. Um, but do these coaches who've never been like, they haven't been head coaches before. Like, do they, I don't know. I just found his comment really odd. One, it, it, it highlights like, is there enough of a space in between the young players who are below 16, 17, 18 and the senior teams to develop and to like, using that as an excuse to not have a preseason when everybody else who had similar problems was able to do it, I found it odd.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, he's got to be probably more careful about his words. Now I was speaking with someone yesterday about how it would be easy to blame the ref yesterday for the Rosetta handball, not the ref, sorry, easy to blame VAR not being there than it is to blame the ref and have, you know, come out with comments against the ref despite like Casey Stoney doing it like last year um you know there's a lot more focus on that area now so he you know he, you'd imagine he would be choosing his words a bit more carefully
2: yeah because City haven't been looking City have have not been looking like a team that will be able to, to cement a top three place so far in my opinion you know granted they have a number of players out but
1: they've still got a team that i don't know could definitely i mean i was watching yesterday that's like the only game i watched yesterday uh, over the weekend was that game um, and you know Lauren Hem was cutting down that left-hand side and she was getting in the positions but the ball she was putting in weren't what anyone really needed if that makes sense they were they weren't quite they weren't hitting the forwards and the forwards weren't there where in the game before they were cutting closer to the byline, um, she, in like Lasada's goal in the first match, and, and you know she came right round to, um, well, not Rasa did, but for the um, for the Bunny Shore goal. So they were actually they were they were standing off Tottenham a little bit more in that area um, where they could have been coming for closer in. So I don't know.
2: Well, did you see the two Real Madrid games? Cause like, yeah, I I watched them both like the Everton game was obviously their best so far, but like they, they don't look like a team who necessarily tactically adjusts properly for every opponent is what I meant. Like they've lost one so far and they have a number of players out injured. Like even again, Taylor said we have to be technically flawless going forward that's what i meant but i don't know if like if they're having these problems of having to adjust and you know they're going to have to meet chelsea they're going to have to meet man united they're going to have to meet um you know next they're meeting arsenal like they don't have any they don't have much space to lo- to drop points you know no team has who wants to finish on top has a lot of space to drop points with what we've seen so far in the season can they technically can they adjust every game to not do that you know after the performance we saw last game is my
1: point. I don't think until some of those players come back in, if they do um, at the right points in the season, because, you know, they can't go and get anyone else now. And if they haven't, if they're not able to promote from within, as we've talked about, if they haven't got these youth players, although I did think Jess Park looked very good when she came on yesterday, um, you know, a little too little too late, maybe in some of those areas, but she looked good through the middle, and they were really struggling through the middle. I felt against Spurs yesterday. Um, again, I was <laughs> I was tired, so I didn't watch all of it in that way. I didn't watch it in an analytical sense. I was just I wanted it to be a bit more exciting after expecting a few more goals from Man City. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I think they they suffered a lot uh, with that Esme Morgan injury. Yeah, I mean, it it must, uh, but but I think. Manchester City looked like a pre-season team yesterday uh, in some ways. And I think that, uh, you know, when Philippa Angeldahl came on, uh, I don't think it was planned for her to come on uh, yesterday. Uh, and then she played kind of high up the pitch yeah. from where she, where she used to play. Uh, and They are
2: suffering I, I from the that... loss of their Americans as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that this. I, I was thinking that this um, season is Manchester City's to lose. It's their league title, if if they want it, especially when they uh, were knocked out from the Champions League. Uh, but I'm not so sure anymore, and I. I don't think that Gareth Taylor will uh, be head coach of Manchester City if, if they don't get back on track soon. Um, so let's see what happens. But I, I think that, I mean, uh, two games in, and I think Arsenal is the most balanced team yeah. uh, front uh, down to the back.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw Willie Kirk's comments after Everton losing their second game in, in a row four nil, but he wasn't sure he's gonna be you know, he's like, if I'm not here the next week, then you know, that's not my decision sort of thing. And yet we're talking like as if Gareth Taylor's gonna go after they lose one game. Um
2: but they haven't lost one game. They've won I mean they they've they kind of yeah. crashed out of the Champions League as well. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, no. I mean, like f- from a league perspective, like I mean, Real Madrid yeah. were probably stronger than they thought they were going to be. Um, but yeah, again, in in a league scenario, I mean, it, with other managers, just in, in, as a counterpoint um, to to what we've been sort of saying about him, yeah,
0: I think I, I think that again, with, with this course I'm taking, I, I'm being very very careful with what I'm saying or, or tweeting at the moment because I think I'm sort of trying to find my way into to this. I, I can speak with my friends about it behind the scenes because then we do proper analysis. Uh, but I think it's it's so much more than just putting eleven players out there uh, to play a game uh, and to perform their best uh, version, versions of themselves and, and and take the decisions uh, that it, that uh, is the best in the moments They have to be taking that that it's it's so much to to consider. Um, but I do think that a team like Everton, uh, they they aren't as bad as they looked like. Yeah. Uh, not versus Man City or Chelsea, uh, even though. Manchester City and Chelsea, um, still on paper, uh, are the better teams. But Everton, they have a lot more potential than they've been showing so far. Yeah. Everton are, are the team that have
2: underperformed the most for the potential they have. But... I think Manchester City are the team that have been losing the most for what they could have accomplished. Is, does that make any sense?
1: Yeah. Because like, yeah,
2: yeah, Everton is largely recreated, but Man City hasn't had, I mean, they've, they lost Lavelle, they lost Mewis and they lost Dalkamper. And those are those that they were integral last year and they're pretty big players to leave the club um, for the positions that they kind of had. But, you know, my comment on Taylor is it, it's, it's more one this is the first team he's managed and I don't for a team and for the demands of Manchester City where they are expected to be in the league that's a really big task to take on you know granted he has a lot of playing experience for a lot of different clubs so he's seen a lot of different systems but my main thing was the comment about being able to bring up a play like young players and not having that option. And then the resulting and the fact that they couldn't do any preseason when other teams have been, have shown that they are perfect. Like Chelsea and Arsenal showed they are perfectly capable of doing a preseason, even with significant parts of the roster out.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree. I was just, I was just, I was counterpointing the idea that, um, that Willie Kirk was worried about his job after two games when he doesn't seem so doesn't seem as worried compared to everyone else in the media yeah. oh sorry i, I was answering I mean. more like mia's thing yeah. for like yeah no, 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 I, no it I is
2: fit like you're you're right like and, and my criticism may be overblown but i still think it's a bit odd
1: yeah yeah i i think we're all yeah we're all sort of sort of there together i think we're in i think we're in agreement i don't think we're just at different points of that me especially um i think i'm about two questions behind um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I think, you, you know, you raised the points about that system and, and, and why it wasn't, you know, possible. But, yeah, um, we have talked a lot about...
0: Now Manchester City is going to win the league. Because yeah. We the <laughs> We've yesterday. jinxed them yeah. the opposite way. We've jinxed it.
1: I think, yeah, I think there's going to be some sort of, yeah, yeah. Uh, retaliation from these clubs inadvertently just to be like, yeah.
0: I, for one, really hope that Manchester City will beat the hell out of Arsenal.
1: I, I can't see it. I can't, yeah. I mean, I guess this, this now would be the best chance for him to, like, regroup some of his players, but they're all going to go on international duty again. And it's just like, they've played, what, four games? To uh, a draw two losses and a win and now he's losing his players again
2: it is odd how the way the calendar is set up could so affect things because you know like brighton who would have guessed brighton top of the league after two matches you know but it's arguably it is in part because of the opposition that they have been able to face whereas you know manchester city in the middle
1: i don't know just a so Manchester City are going down this year that's what you're saying right I'm not saying the they're going payments. down it's just like <laughs> the evolution
2: of whom you face can have like I can just imagine like the players who had who have to face the top clubs at the beginning the difference in mentality that that would put to teams that might progressively see their season getting harder
1: yeah i mean it's like we said earlier that these shorter um Leagues the shorter in the sense that there's only sort of there's only twelve teams in it. It means that yeah. every game is every game and every point is valuable. Um, even across like the rest of Europe as well and, and in the states, every game you gotta win it. If you need to win it, there is you know there's no time to re- regain those points really. And we don't we don't have the uh what is it the playoffs in Europe? We don't have the playoffs to to win as well. I still don't get that. That's a whole thing. That's a, that's another. I am. Um... I'm sure.
2: I'm not – like, in the NWSL, they have two trophies. They have the NWSL Shield, which they give for the regular season, which would be the equivalent of – and it's the same in the W League. They have the Premiership, which they give for the regular season. But everybody wants to win the championship. And up until this year, the NWSL, that was two games. You're going, like, yeah, you have to qualify in the top four, but still, like, is that really the prize that we should, like – Like, in the men's game, it can be really exciting. Like, if you're watching NHL, for example, like, you're talking, they're playing seven-game series, and it's four out of seven that they have to win, and there's, like, I think there's four or five until you reach the Stanley Cup series. But if you're talking two games, like, I just, I've never seen that as as incredibly exciting. Like, the the Shield should really be the one, like, a regular season should really be the one that's valued because it's the one that takes the most effort. Anyway.
1: And, and yeah and there's no cup competition as well right it's just they uh, they, do, we, they, do, they do they do some they do some like friendlies against some mexican and south american teams right i think so
2: so the nwsl cuz last year they weren't able to have a, a regular season and they kind of saved their year by by hosting what they call the challenge cup yeah. which is like they basically split uh into two different groups and then the the top 2 qualified for like a playoff kind of um, like the Continental, um, the League Cup. yeah, And they redid it this year, but what they did this year is they put it at the beginning of the season. So the Challenge Cup was original, basically, they had a preseason as well, but most teams had a preseason, but they basically made it kind of like a preseason to the actual season. My understanding is part of the reason they did that was because they weren't sure with COVID about all the restrictions and how to, ca- how to, how to possibly schedule the regular season. But I prefer have I prefer the European way of having overlapping competitions because then if your team's not doing well and you know you won't you're you're out of relegation, but you, you probably won't qualify for the Champions League, then you can you can go for a cup. Whereas if they're sequential, it's I, I don't know. I like kind of like the the, the idea, but I, I think it does bring back to your your main point that like the regular season for the NW for the FAWSL is just not long enough. Like it, there's just not enough leeway for it to be like if if losing one or two games is all that it takes to put you out of contention for like the be winners to be champions, then there's not enough flexibility there. To be fair, yeah,
1: and the further down you go. In- years the amount of teams are in like the championship and things like this but the the amount of opportunity for promotion is so limited so
2: i i mean i think england is big enough to have a league that's at least equal to spain and the fa would be better suited to have two years where they promote two teams and then only relegate one to at least have 14 or 16 teams and then you're you're looking 16 teams you're looking at 30 games for the regular season yeah and i I think that that's personally i believe that's a that's a lot better but and arguably that would be better for the game because at the moment like you said like you get promoted you get relegated into the the championship suddenly you're part-time you're like it might take years before you get back to a level of competition that is demanding day in day out because of the fact that the championship isn't and in the long term i don't think that's good for the women's game like you need to have more players who are doing this as as the regular job and you need and you need to have more competition and the wsl kind of looks like three mini leagues at the moment where top teams we can lose one or two games if not we're we're out and then bottom teams it's just a fight for relegation and you drop down you might not see them again you know look at liverpool
1: I was just going to say Liverpool and Bristol, thinking they're going to come straight back up, uh, is not going to not going to be the one. But yeah, it's uh, it, again, it's good. This is why I love football. Like, I yes. love that it, it isn't exactly like exactly what you think it's going to be, or how you maybe half predicted it. Um, I'm sure there's, as you said, there's probably people who viewed Arsenal as a, a stronger prospect than I did um, at the start of the season. But I, you know, after seeing them beat Chelsea at the Emirates, I was like. Okay, this is this is actually a team that like are gonna do very well. Like Freedom Manham is a great like under the radar signing, I think. And I don't, I, I, some people have picked up on it, but she's just been so strong in that position. Uh, we've been chatting for an hour and twenty five minutes. Sorry, uh, Mia's is uh, already on the couch. Like you've got yeah. a further, somehow that's reclined even more and more throughout the conversation. I mean,
0: uh, you have to remember that I, I am an hour ahead of you, so yeah. it's it's like yeah. I think you're six hours ahead of me. Yeah, yeah.
2: Probably the is there won't be any more potato pulling.
1: <laughs> is that is that, <laughs> is for, that for definite? Have you had the thumbs down for more more? Uh, uh, it's uh, five pm. <laughs> I'm I'm <laughs>
2: clocking out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that is as good a place to leave it. Um, thank you so much for genuinely enlightening me today, Catherine, like about a lot of the situations in Canada and just explaining some of my only things I didn't know because uh, apparently I'm a lazy fan. Sorry um, to
2: listeners if I talk so much. It's just this is <laughs> something I'm passionate about. And it's also something that's I think, more complex than sometimes people understand.
1: Have you like very quick? Have you ever have you, have you been to any games in England? Have you been over at all to yep. see any? Yeah, okay.
2: Been to games in England, France, Germany, and Sweden. So, yeah,
1: that's cool. Have you been to Mia's neck of the woods?
2: Uh, no, no. I saw a game in Malmo. Uh, okay. So, and from her southern Sweden um, comments, I'm guessing she's no longer there. She's league the, tripping <laughs> she, <laughs> is in the north, right? No no
0: it's it's not it's, well, it's the north, north of malmö but not the north of sweden
2: well my sorry let me rephrase for your geographical separation of how weird swedish sounds you're in the part of sweden that you consider the north and normal speaking
0: yeah i mean i sort of feel bad because what i said from the beginning because half of my uh, mom's family is from the south of Sweden, and I've been spending a lot of my summers down there. I like it a lot. So, uh, but but it it's not that far uh, down as Malmo. It, it's a bit, it's like 10, 10 uh, Swedish miles from from Malmo, but it's in Skåne, who is the region where where Malmo uh, is. This this is what gets me about Europe is like sometimes you were like oh they're so far away,
2: <laughs> they're fifteen kilometers away, and I'm like what? Yeah, that's that's the
0: neighbor here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm going to Denmark, and uh, this, um, and and from here in Lindstruping, it's uh three hours and thirty nine minutes by train to Copenhagen. Again, that's the (laughs) neighbour. Sorry. Yeah. But I'm going to Viborg, and that's four and a half hours by train from Copenhagen to Midjuland, where uh, the Danish national team play uh, their games. So it it should be an experience.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited to see whatever you can show on the internet about your trip.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of photos, I hope. Uh, Good experience. I'm I'm ditching Sweden this time.
1: (laughs) You were really ragging on Sweden today. I've just got to say that, you know, you're just leaving them for Denmark.
0: Yeah. Having
1: a go at the Southerners.
0: I mean, I just, I needed, uh, I'm a bit uh, salty on life at the moment.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you'll just in, in, insult an entire country and part of yeah it,
0: yeah i mean yeah. i just i give me this week and maybe i'll be back to to some kind words next time i'm
2: canadian yeah. you know we have the americans yeah. as a great place yeah <laughs> there are <our> denmark <laughs> i like
0: denmark a lot. I, I like
2: Denmark too. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, and I, I especially like their football national team. Oh, uh, did, did you hear about Nadim? Did you hear about Yeah, oh. I heard that, and and it's kind of heartbreaking because she was supposed to get her 100 cap, yeah, uh, for Denmark. Uh, and that, and that listener, sort of she yeah.
2: apparently got an ACL tear in her yeah. latest. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so she's off to England or Qatar apparently to get uh, it repaired. I just right hope up. that she can uh, she can feature in next year's Euro because um, she's not old, but she's not young for a football player, so. Yeah. And then again, there's for for so we can always use her as yeah, the example <laughs> of
1: I think that's my favorite thing about some of the, um, the, the the women's footballers that have become pundits here in the UK is they kind of you can kind of hear them talking about Formiga just like, oh, yeah, she's like she's like six, eight, six or eight years older than me and she's still playing. and
2: <laughs> Well, if you yeah. wanted to do um, a history of women's Olympic football uh, podcast, just invite her because she has been to every single tournament which is insane. Like she's played in every Olympic tournament since 96. And she had already been on the team for a number of years, which is, she's like, I think we should clone her because she's kind of the Benjamin button of women's football. She seems to age backwards.
1: Yeah. She is a legend. Yeah. Right. Let's leave it on. Let's leave it on for me anyway. as a legend. And because we will, we'll be here all night and which would be great for us, but not for listeners. And um, all of you plans for the rest of the days which is sleeping i assume for me and myself um but yes thank you so much for everyone who's listened to this i don't know how much is going to make it through whatever Stu does for editing um if he leaves it all in that'd be great uh, and you would have learned a lot of things about different parts of the world and football and how to say certain words in swedish and how to butcher certain words in swedish. no no that wasn't it that was the english that
2: was not it <laughs>
1: <laughs> is
2: sporg. I think we could leave it at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think though I think the title should probably be that um America is the Denmark of North America. I think that that realization is the uh is the is the title. <laughs> anyway, perfect. F- thank yeah. you so much. Um this has been a real joy. Um and yeah, I hope everyone is in looking forward to the international break aside Man City players. Who are probably still going to have to do something. Anyway, I'm stopping it there.